You're listening to Retail Refined, a market scale podcast with me, Melissa Gonzalez. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Retail Refined, a market scale podcast with your host, me, Melissa Gonzalez. Today, we have David Gottlieb, who is the Managing Director of Americas at Track, a leading global provider of computer vision powered in store execution solutions analytics and services for retail. In his role, David oversees strategy, sales, marketing, business development, and customer service for the tracks division North America and South America. With more than 20 years of experience focused in and around retail and manufacturing technology, David is a proven leader in CPG, distribution models, brand marketing, trade marketing, store operations, merchandising, and the deep complexities of supply chain. He uses this extensive knowledge to support Trax's end-to-end solutions for retail, understanding the intricacies of what it takes to bring a product to the shelf and ultimately succeed. Prior to joining Trax, David was president and COO of Curie, a leader in crowdsourced in-store conditions data for the CPG industry. David, I think we're going to have a really exciting conversation. Thank you so much for being with us today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. So before we dive in further, I gave a very high level of introduction to Trax. Can you tell the audience a little bit more about Trax and, and what you do there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Trax, as you said, is the global leader in applying technologies like image recognition supported by artificial intelligence to really helping retailers and manufacturers operate better at retail, right? Sell more product and execute better. Um, Historically, we've done that primarily via helping to measure what's happening in the store. So that could be, uh, what am I achieving with respect to my merchandising strategy at the shelf? Uh, How am I doing on display relative to my competition? Uh, But increasingly, as we've grown the business inorganically through acquisition, it also includes the ability to actually provide arms and legs and uh, power our merchandising field force with that image recognition technology. So it's, it's really become an end-to-end solution for the industry to drive better outcomes at the shelf, uh, servicing shoppers more effectively and driving better sales. Excellent. So you talk a little bit, you, you touched upon it, the, and you say it on your site, the shelf pulse. What does that mean? How does it work? And what insights can you glean from that? Yeah, so, so shelf pulse is one of a, a, a kind of a family of measurement solutions that we have. And, and you can think about broadly, really everything we do involves uh, at some point, starting with a picture, a photograph of some part of the store. So imagine a photograph of a beverage cooler or a, you know, a dry center store category. Uh, and then from that photograph, what our systems are able to do is essentially turn the unstructured data in the photograph into structured data by recognizing what's in the image at the lowest level of detail. So basically the UPC or AAN code. And then once that happens, we generate all sorts of interesting metrics that are based on knowing what's in the picture. So for example, very basic ones like, is an item present or not present, right? Does it have availability? Is it on the shelf? Um, All the way up to, you know, what's the linear space in this store of private label versus national brands in a category? Or, or linear space or number of facings for a particular skew, all those sorts of, of metrics are possible. The, the shelf pulse solution that you asked about is, is kind of one way in which manufacturers can, can buy or consume this kind of information. 
And it's a really good fit, especially in the US for warehouse brands. So brands mm -hmm. who don't have their own merchandising, they're not, they're not DSD, they don't go to the stores themselves. And, and what we do is essentially syndicate kind of the hardest part of what we do or the most expensive part of what we do, which is the actual collection of the images. So we use our own CrowdForce, which we call FlexForce, to go out and collect uh, a panel of stores. The panel is defined by our partner in the product, uh, which is Nielsen. Uh, and it gives us a projectable sample of the you know, intersection of category and, and sort of type of account. And then we go out every, every month, every quarter, we measure those stores and we produce a very standardized set of metrics that are available to our customers in a dashboard to help them understand the dynamics of the category, what's happening with their product, all those sorts of questions. So what sort of new um, challenges have you seen in, in helping them demystify that when, when you're seeing the purpose of the store change so much, not just from a point of discovery, but a point of pickup and needing to be so fluid and dynamic with customers' needs? Yeah, it's been super interesting. I mean, the problems that you talk about are, are one set of problems. And then, of course, the, the sort of let's call them pandemic driven challenges are another set of challenges. Um, so on one hand, you have categories. If you think about, you know, for example, protein, like like fresh meat, where it's been very public that it's just super hard in, in those categories for the supply chains to keep up. Um, as shopper demand has shifted so dramatically from a mix of grocery stores, in this case, and restaurants to all grocery stores, mm -hmm. um, it was a real shock to the system. And so uh, it's, it's super critical for the key players in that space to understand what's happening at the shelf, because what, they, what they've been building over the years as they partner with their customers, partner with the retailers, is uh, a, real, a real sort of trust around what the category should look like and what their role in the category is. And, and what's happened over the last you know, sort of year or so is uh, it's been a bit of a free-for-all, right? Yeah. You, can't, you can't maintain uh, space in the store. You can't protect space that maybe you've earned uh, and, and, and maybe even is your fair share relative to sales volume if there's no product to put on the shelf. So essentially you've had this, this really unintentional, massive kind of national reset in the category where retailers are doing whatever they can do to, to service shoppers, uh, you know, with it with the con or with the uh, constraints of lack of availability in a bunch of categories. And so, from a tracks perspective, our role in this is really to help the manufacturers understand what's changing. You know, has their space eroded? Where do they have opportunities? Um, where do they have product needs? Right. If you think about manufacturers, even even in like non-fresh, um, like snacks, for example. A lot of those categories run allocation throughout a lot of the year as well, meaning they don't have enough supply to meet all the demand across all the stores. So rather than just kind of spread that supply across the stores round robin, it, you know, it really helps them if they can understand where do they have outs, where do they have gaps, where are their shelf holes. And so they have a higher probability of meeting more of the overall shopper demand if they can use data to help make those allocation decisions. So it's all those sorts of things. No, absolutely. I mean, I could imagine there's a, a lot of rethink that's happening in regards to the planogram of the store and even new prioritization, you know, totally. of, of how they merchandise yeah. different environments. Yeah, and I think I think what goes along with that is a trend that we're seeing um, some of it being driven by necessity, you know, things like aluminum can shortages driving, you know, portfolio simplification in the beverage side and even to some extent on the on the protein side, but also retailers seem to be looking for 
you know, how do I how do I support as much demand as I can, given my limited available space, um, by maybe trimming some of the the long tail of the assortment, right? So maybe I don't need as much variety if I can service you know most of the demand with kind of core you know must-have items in each category. And so I think that that trend seems to be sticking around for at least for a while. Mm-hmm. No, that makes complete sense. And I think you know, especially as you've seen consumers becoming more comfortable shopping uh, online, right? For every category, even grocery, it also, mm-hmm. I can imagine, gives insights too of what takes priority, what needs to stock the shelves, front of house, in the store, um, or what can be sold online. Um, yep. So I think it, it helps with the, that prioritization. Um, you talk a little bit about, um, I, on your website, you have the Apple um, AR kit. Um, so can you talk about how the power of augmented reality has been helping um, sales rep and sales uh, store auditors as well? Yeah, yeah. Let me talk about broadly, like what technology brings in the in the specific context of a, let's call it a store visitor or a merchandising call. So uh, an AR kit is part of that story. So so in general, what we're trying to do with, with an associate in store is make their visit to the store more efficient and more effective. And so we do that really in two ways. Um, Because as I mentioned a minute ago, uh, all of the measurement piece of what we do starts with an image um, or a set of images. What ARKit helps us do is if you imagine that you're trying to image, let's say the dry cereal category in a grocery store, and you might have, you know, 20 or even 40 feet of dry cereal, it could be a pretty big category. And the way the system works is it essentially needs images of, of the category. And so you, you walk along with your phone and you take images, but humans aren't, aren't perfect. And so if I'm relying on a human to make sure that I take the first image and then I walk you know, four feet and take the next image and I have the right amount of overlap, that can be really tricky. And so what the AR kit allows us to do is it basically creates a virtual shelf in the background. Think of it like a, like a shell almost. And, and then as you capture the images, it's essentially masking and showing you what you still haven't captured. So it allows us to get a totally perfect view of the entire category, whether it's four feet, eight feet, or 16, you know, as many feet as we need to. So it takes all of the kind of human error out of the capture process, allowing us to have a really clean image to support recognition. So that's, that's really making their job easier on the recognition side. The other really cool thing that we do is on the on the actual image recognition side, we've we you know of course continue to invest in making that faster and more agile. And now we're to the point where that can be some some parts of it can be really kind of real time. Mm-hmm. So you, if you think about what a merchandiser is doing in a store, you know for example, part of what they're going to do is walk up to the set figure out where the outs are, figure out what they can pack out from the back. Maybe they need to trigger a reorder if it's, if it's not on an auto replenishment system. And so what our tool allows them to do is basically once they've taken those pictures using ARKit, quickly, you know, within a minute, let's say, they get data that says, okay, here are the six items that are missing from the shelf. Here might be items that are priced incorrectly. All that information that avoids a bunch of kind of manual hunt and tech labor. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? It does make sense. And it answers one of the questions I wanted to ask you, like, what do you think are the crucial blind spots in operations today? You know, and what are you, what are you illuminating? Yeah, that's technology. That's a big one. I mean, availability is a big one. Um, And when you, when you think about how manufacturers have traditionally handled retail coverage, you know, they, they're, they're making kind of a, 
big bet. They say, okay, I'm going to look at my top uh, volume driving retailers, the guys who drive the most, the customer to drive the most um, sales volume. And I'm going to say, okay, this one's going to get, you know, um, you know, one, one call a week. This one's going to get one call every two weeks. And, and it's not very um, data driven, right? It's, 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 it's a pretty macro decision that's getting made. And, and more importantly, the output of it is not very granular, right? So most manufacturers would look at, let's say, their, their Nielsen or their IRI data to, to determine, hey, did my investment in retail coverage make sense during that period? Was it worthwhile? And there's lots of confounding factors. It's hard. That attribution is really challenging. And so where I mentioned kind of in my intro, we're, we're really, uh, we see an opportunity here to really transform part of the industry in the linkage between kind of merchandising services powered by this type of image recognition technology in, in a couple of ways. The, the, the first way is instead of just sort of spreading that coverage investment like peanut butter across your top retailers, you know, imagine how much more powerful it would be if you were using this technology on an ongoing basis to really assess what the opportunity is in the in the store and, and make sure that you're only visiting stores that have meaningful value, right? Where you can actually affect the shelf, you can affect display, you can achieve some objectives, driving better outcomes for the business. If you knew that you could invest in that visit versus one where you might show up and the store looks pretty good, that's a big advantage, right? Mm -hmm. so, that, so that's part of it. But then the second piece is because we have this, this really powerful ability to assess the shelf and quantify what's happening, um, we, can, we can essentially be very transparent with suppliers and say, look, on this visit, you know, here are the metrics that changed. So there was you know, seven shelf holes when we got there, there was zero when we left. We packed out this many cases, we fixed this number of price tags. And all that, all that granularity is really valuable because it allows manufacturers to feel like they can more effectively assess the ROI and the investment and make much more thoughtful decisions about making that investment in the future or perhaps redirecting it, but just making sure there's impact associated. Oh, yeah, no, that makes a ton of sense. So let's break it down a little bit. You talked a little bit about the AR kit. What are the tools needed um, for, for, for a store transformation for really being able to get this information? I, I know you need IoT cameras. Like what is it, what does a setup and onboarding look like? Yeah, so there's there's different solutions that we have, just like we talked about shelf pulse being being a, a pretty lightweight solution where a manufacturer basically is, is the customer of that and all they have to do is call us and say, hey, I wanna, I wanna get you know data for X category and, and they can have it, right? And we do everything else in the back end. Um, if you are a DSD manufacturer, meaning you have your own kind of feet on the street in the stores and you wanna actually arm your workforce with our technology, then they need mobile devices and we deploy our technology on those devices. And of course we set up the back end and all that flows as one system. If you're a retailer, right, and you're and you're looking to instrument your stores with our technology because you believe that it's it's going to be your, your chances of actually driving higher shelf availability are better powered by technology, and you want your associates to have the benefit of that insight and, and avoid a bunch of that manual labor. That's a that's our retail solution, and to, to implement that one, um, then you have to instrument the store in some way. So that can be. Um, we have our own shelf edge camera technology. And so a retailer, um, actually I have one right here. So a retailer can, can put these essentially underneath the shelf and then they use this little lens that sticks on the edge of the shelf and that measures the, the items across the aisle. And so we can, we can put those in a store, you know, in all the aisles, essentially cover the entire store. 
And that allows the retailer to get data on a very frequent basis. So mm -hmm. unlike a manufacturer who might visit the store once a week or even every other week, now you're talking about understanding what's happening to the shelf every hour, every two hours, you know, whatever the velocity, the category kind of dictates. And so what that helps the retailer do is really think about how can they reimagine uh, kind of a shelf replenishment process powered by this technology? Mm -hmm. So instead of, you know, an associate walking all the aisles, looking at where the outs are, some of which they may miss because products have been misshelved, mis et cetera. Here we have a very reliable kind of fact-based system that says, okay, of these, you know, X number of items that are supposed to be in this, you know, in this category, the following 10 are not here, right? The following of those 10, six we believe have on-hand inventory. So we can create a task for the associate to go replenish them from the back room. So before that person even goes to that aisle, they can go to the back room, pick up the product, come to the aisle, and, and they just skip a bunch of steps, right? So we can make that whole process a, a lot more nimble. So can you share any um, case study examples from a, a client where you came in and you really helped them optimize their environment um, and they, they were able to see that the benefit um, and the ROI from making yeah. these changes? Yeah, definitely. Can I go back to, to one, one thing I said? Sure. So just, just to, um, when a retailer comes to us, uh, they have several options for instrumenting the store. And I, I meant to talk about this. So one option is our fixed cameras. The other option is if they've got dome cameras they're using in the mm -hmm. store, we can use those if they have a high, you know, high enough resolution. Um, or we actually partner with other companies who produce um, autonomously navigating robots. Right, and mm. in some store formats, that that makes sense. Uh, and the example I'll give you is, um, you know, we're working with retailers all over the globe, but one that stands out is actually a European retailer called Auchan. They're one of the largest retailers in France. Um, we've started with them in their division in Portugal, uh, and and the solution is essentially the reason I thought about it is using is using a robot in that case. And what they're essentially doing is um, automating the measurement of what's available on the shelf, what needs to be replenished, creating those automated task lists that I talked about, driving up on-shelf availability, and at the same time, driving down their need for store labor. So the ROI is, is twofold. On the, on the top line, increased sales because you know, shoppers can actually find what they need in the store. Um, but at the same time, you can do that without having to staff the store with the amount of labor that you would normally have to in order to accomplish that kind of objective. Well, it's interesting too, because I think, you know, there's so much conversation around will robots replace people and all of that. But at the end of the day, a lot of this information is just improving the value uh, of a store associate because you're arming them with so much more information and insights um, to better serve their customers. Absolutely. And, that, and that's the way we think. I think with any automation, what, whether it's in, in retail or elsewhere, at the end of the day, you know, people play a really critical role, uh, and and our our view of that would be let's let's put associates in a position to have the maximum impact by both leveraging the technology, but also by doing the things that only people can do: engaging shoppers, right? Talking about product, talking about demos, all the sorts of things that really really strong associates can can add a lot of value to. You know, I don't think any associate would say that it's super valuable for them to kind of be scanning you know hundreds of items on a shelf to figure out which ones are missing that's a good problem for a machine no absolutely absolutely and i think that you know barriers are being broken down within organizations so this information isn't just sitting with 
the, the C-suite or the higher level of the managers, it's really getting filtered down all the way to the store level. Right. Um, so everybody feels empowered with this information. Where do you see, where, I mean, what do you think the future is? Where do you see stores going um, in the next year to two? We'll start near term. So in the next year and then in the next five. I mean, I think in the in the relatively near term, um, everybody's had to go figure out, you know, their version of click and collect or buy online, pick up a store, whatever that is. Um, and you you just walk stores and you can already see like a mini evolution, right? Space being dedicated to that kind of pick pack process, parking, parking lots are changing for that as well. Um, so I think we'll see sort of the next you know, evolution of that as as retailers have figured out what works and what doesn't work and what needs to be fixed and you know that sort of thing. Um, the the next chapter I think is going to be really interesting, and you know the the macro factors are: do people continue to shop online at the same rate as they did or close to the same rate as they did during the last twelve months? Um, and if and if they do, I don't think anybody knows the answer to that. But if they do. I think we're going to see some really interesting changes on uses of space uh, within, within the grocery stores, um, because you just, you know, if you think about it, if, if people are going to buy fundamentally online, or even if they only buy like, let's say center store stuff online, they still want to shop the perimeter for, you know, meat and produce. It just means you don't need that much space as you dedicated today to kind of cash and carry retail. And it, it brings back a trend that we saw, you know, maybe three years ago where retailers were getting really creative on, and I think maybe Whole Foods as the archetype of this, you know, how do you engage shoppers in a much more experiential um, sort of shopping journey? You know, some of those things like, okay, we're going to have more prepared food, more kiosks. It's going to feel more like a restaurant in some sense, but I think we may see more of that. Um, you know, some retailers in North Carolina did an amazing job with setting up um, sort of a specialty uh, beer, you know, experience where you could you brought in your beer jug and you could you could choose from you know fifty different taps and they kept on rotating them. So I think we're going to see a lot more innovation on um, what it means to engage with a shopper, and and those may not be the only dimensions. I'm sure there'll be creativity that we haven't considered, but I, I believe the space will look a lot different, you know, five years from now than it does today for that reason. No, I absolutely agree. I, I love the the beer on tap and. Um, you know, just thinking of the allocation of front of house versus, versus back of house and the efficiencies because you're seeing, um, I don't know if we're going to stay at these levels, but you've seen so many partnerships um, come to fruition in the grocery space um, yeah. uh, for pick and packers and their journey is different than a customer like myself who's going to the supermarket to browse and I have a primary list, but who else knows what I'm going to discover and to yeah. create environments that become partially efficient for the pick and packers, but then also satisfy my sense of discovery and adding in the layers that you just mentioned. Totally. Um, I think it's an exciting time for the for the grocery industry to to be innovative. It's super exciting and and for the trade as well for the manufacturers because to your point, as you optimize for efficiency in the store and shoppers aren't necessarily making that same journey, you, you're you know the manufacturers are, are going to lose out on what has historically been a primary promotional opportunity, right? So getting getting you as you walk into the store to try a new a new product, they're really good at that, right? They know how to promote it at the shelf. They know how to, to send you a coupon. So I think they're going to have to continue to innovate 
um, perhaps in closer partnership with the retailer as it relates to okay, how are we going to get new mm-hmm. you know new trials and, and rebuys as it as it relates to products that you're not going to find on an end cap or on a shipper, mm-hmm. you're not going to the store. So I think that's going to have to be an evolution as well. No, absolutely. I mean, it's been it's been a tough um, year plus, um, but I do think the silver lining will be all of the innovation that continues to move forward, and you know brands and retailers getting validation of the types of things that consumers will do that they didn't believe would happen, but are happening now because of forced, you know, adoption. I mean, digital transformation is like a, is like a cliche to a degree and it's, it's a buzzword, but it's, it it was a hot topic. You know, it's one of those hot topics that's been around for 10 years. And I think we saw such a tremendous, you know, market-driven acceleration in in every 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 sort of type of participating company, whether it's a grocery store or a manufacturer or supply chain partners, they're all having to innovate in ways that are super exciting and ultimately uh, make make the industry continue to work. And so, I think that's that's been a lot of fun to be a part of. No, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for sharing your insights with us today. It's really exciting the data that you're able to capture and how you're helping your customers, your clients optimize physical experiences for consumers. So thank you so much for being with us. Again, everybody, this was David Gottlieb. He's Managing Director of Americas for Trax. And we really appreciate the time that you took with us today. My, my pleasure. I enjoyed it. Thanks so much for having me, Melissa. Thank you.